Kanye starts going on this rampage about how Netanyahu wants to kill him. So he pulls out Yoo-Hoo oh. chocolate drink and puts it on the desk and he goes, so Yoo-Hoo, Yoo-Hoo. And then he pulls out a net, like I'm talking a butterfly net. And he goes, so this net in Yoo-Hoo. When I watched in that moment there, it finally clicked. Like if it hadn't clicked before, it clicked there. My name's Adela Kochav. And my name is Mari Mwaba. We are the Daughters of Diaspora. And this is an Americanish Conversation. Welcome back to Americanish. We have a lot to cover this week. This month is Mizrahi Heritage Month, and it is also the beginning of the Advent season in the Coptic Christian calendar. We'll get to both of those in a little bit, but first, we want to talk about the man that has wreaked havoc for the past couple of weeks, the man that, embarrassingly, is my second-to-most-listened artist on Apple Replay, Ye, formerly known as Kanye West. Last week, Ye went on the show Infowars with notorious alarmist and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones and neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes, where he once again spewed hatred and anti-Semitism. In the interview, Alex Jones told Kanye West that it isn't fair people compare him to Hitler, to which Kanye responded with, I love Hitler. Other highlights include Kanye praising the Nazis and saying that the Holocaust didn't happen like they say it happened, while Alex Jones, of all people, embarrassingly tries to walk it back. So let's get to it. Mariam, what were your first thoughts when you saw this? I have a lot of thoughts. I really hope nobody clips you saying I love Hitler and takes it out of context, by the way. That would be terrible. Please do not do that. (laughs) Yes. I did not give you ideas. Um, So I'm very conflicted, honestly, for a couple of reasons. Um, Early last week, I think it was right before he went on the show, Infowars, and did this uh, interview. For a split second, a little part of me couldn't help but think that everything that needed to be said about Kanye has been said. We know he's anti-Semitic, he's invoked anti-Semitic tropes, he's coming from a place of hate and anger and not from a place trying to understand something foreign to him. He's mentally ill. I I don't know if I agree with that or or maybe I do, but the point is like everything that anybody could have said about Kanye has been said. Um, and, And that was kind of my feeling and I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. Um... I I think that feeling was justified in a split second, but having just watched this interview together, I think we have to. It is our moral obligation to continue to call Kanye out Mm. and anyone like Kanye. He won't stop. It seems like he won't. And the voices countering him need to keep up with him. Mm -hmm. His followers take what he says and turn it into action, which is a thing I don't actually know he understands. Um, anytime we, he does one of these interviews or goes somewhere and says something, we see the reaction to it. We see people galvanized by his words and take things into their own hands and stand outside of Barclays Center with a microphone and spew hatred. So people speaking up against him and his hatred, I think, are more needed than ever, the more he mm-hmm. does it. Um, this should be obvious, but I feel like it's not non-Jews are essential to this conversation. Mm-hmm. It cannot be just Jews calling out Kanye and anti-Semitism. It's, it's really important uh, to have allies and the allyship is important, etc. But there's a lot more weight to it when non-Jews are also calling out anti-Semitism mm-hmm. because um, unfortunately people think some people think Jews are alarmist when it comes to anti-Semitism. I mean, rightfully so, if they are, if you guys are, because 
of history. <laughs> um, but non-Jews are essential to this conversation. Last thing I'll say on this is context is important. We can't take um, what Kanye or anybody else says and does out of context and, and in a vacuum. This man just went through a very bitter divorce on a yeah. public stage where he lost access to his children. We can't just like act like that's all right. Put yourself in his shoes, any one of us. Imagine that you're a celebrity on this massive stage married to this other massive celebrity. Your wives, have, your, your lives have been public for as long as you can humanly remember. And you just experience this awful heart-wrenching thing. Like he's, he's not well. Um, he's not I'm really well. curious. To, yeah, he's not. And I'm really curious to know what you think, Adela. I know I just admitted I was wrong, but was there any moment where you thought that we needed to stop talking about Kanye and stop giving him attention? So I, I agree in that I thought it was kind of over, right? Like I thought, you know, he said what he said and then he doubled down and now it's it's kind of over. And um, I too was wrong. I, I, knew, I knew that especially me and the Jewish community, I knew we'd be talking about it for a while. Like, I know mm -hmm. that, you know, conferences to come, since I'm always at speaking engagements, Jewish organizations were going to continue to say, and when you have people like Kanye West, I knew that was coming. Mm -hmm. But he just kept doubling down. And if anything we learned, it's that Kanye keeps us on our toes. We may never stop talking about Kanye if he never stops doubling down. And um, the question is going to be, Will he stop doubling down? I know I know he's been banned from Twitter and from Instagram and he's being banned from all these platforms. But knowing Ye, um, I know he had offered to buy Parler for a hot sec. He wants to speak his free speech, right? So I don't think mm -hmm. what we can count on people banning him from platforms to keep him from saying what it is that he's saying. I think he's going to keep saying whatever it is that he wants to say because that has always been Kanye. Kanye has never been able to be controlled. Um, and on that same note, like you said, I, I don't think he's well. I think that between all the trauma and the fact that he's no longer medicated and, you know, he's had his struggles with mental health after his mom passed, you know, Kanye is a problematic individual. He has all these issues. None of this is new. What the only new thing is his fixation on Jews. Um, so so that's that's my thoughts on that. Is, is there um, a moment that I think we're going to stop talking about Kanye? I really hope so. But until he gives us you know, the, the fade away, he won't be fading away. Right. Great line. Um, he you. also started doing something very interesting. He started using the Z word. He started replacing Jews with Zionists. And that seemed to have really helped his cause. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So Kanye has started using the word Zionist instead of Jew. Um, until the Alex Jones interview, I don't think I ever heard Kanye use the word Zionist. It was always the Jews, the Jews, the Jews. Um, so it seems that Kanye is using the word Zionist to refer to what he would call the fake Jews, right? Because he's the real Jews. But what is Zionism? Zionism is the Jewish right to self-determination, meaning that Jews have a right to live in their homeland. That's all that Zionism is. Plug for episode three. We did a whole thing about this in episode three. Not to plug our old episodes, but plugging episode three um, of Americanist Show, where we talk about Zionism. That's all that Zionism is. But now, Kanye using the word Zionist, I don't even know if he realizes, is very smart. It's the smartest thing he could do because that what you hear here in the Western world, what you hear in Western media, is I'm not anti-Jewish, I'm anti-Zionist, Right. I'm anti-Zionist, and that's completely okay. Now, Kanye is anti-Jewish. He's made it clear he's anti-Jewish. But now, when he says he's anti-Zionist, he's opening the door for everyone else who was kind of like on the 
fence about, well, am I Zionist? Am I not Zionist? Am I anti-Zionist? Suddenly anti-Zionism is even more okay. Now the people who did say that they were anti-Zionist either because they didn't understand the term or because they weren't exactly sure what that meant, now it opens the door for their outright hatred too. So I think, again, it's, it's really smart what Kanye is doing. It validates him in that if anti-Zionism is a legitimate point of view in the U.S., by him now also being an anti-Zionist, part of his platform of anti-Semitism is being legitimated. And now I, I just want to take a step back and I want to say that um, Jews come in all shapes and sizes, in all colors, in all forms. And Zionists aren't just Jews. So, Mariam, you are a Zionist as well, and you are not Jewish. I sure am. Um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's using the word Zionist, and I don't think he understands how dangerous and how smart, evilly smart, his his replacement is of Jew mm. and Zionist. Um, the word because Zionist, suddenly he has, yeah, suddenly he has a, a legitimate position here in the u.s because you're allowed to be anti-zionist you can't be anti-semitic but you're allowed to be anti-zionist but continue yeah 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 exactly and um the word zionist has just garnered this dirty reputation here in the u.s um over the last couple years and Mm -hmm. it's always baffled me and there's everybody in their mom has written an article or an op-ed piece about is zionism anti-semitism it it sure is (laughs) you don't believe in the jewish people's uh, right to self-determination in their own state, that's pretty anti-Semitic by any definition. So mm-hmm. um, you don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. All Zionism is is Jewish nationalism. People attach uh, descriptors to it and, and other falsities, and it's it's dangerous. Um, and to your point, I don't think he knows what he's doing, but it, I don't think he knows how dangerous he's being. Um, the interesting thing is... Uh, most Jews are Zionists because yeah. most Jews want to have the right, the ability to uh, the Jewish state. Not all Zionists are Jews. You can be anything and also be a Zionist. Mm-hmm. You can believe in the Jewish people's return to their indigenous homeland. Um, and I'm, I'm going, I digress, but you made a really interesting point too about like Zionism and Palestinian right movements and Palestinian mm-hmm. statehood movements, they're not mutually exclusive. People really seem to think that's the case, but it's just setting the record straight. It is not. You can be a Zionist and believe in the Jewish state and also believe in a statehood for Palestine and Palestinian people in the Palestinian national movement, etc. Yeah, yeah, that's completely correct. Um, a lot of people uh, think that Zionism means one thing, but there's a lot of shades of Zion and a lot of shades of Zionist. And I, again, just to take a step back with this Kanye thing, it's funny because us, especially the, the American Jewish community, have had to grapple with helping people understand that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. But the funny thing with Kanye is that he was already anti-Semitic, right? Again, he was already anti-Jew, and now he's adding anti-Zionism to his list. So it's kind of like, you know, take a step back and see what ideologies you're associating yourself with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, uh, I want to talk to you about this Netanyahu impression oh he did oh on, the, on the InfoWars um, interview. So first, tell me and tell our audience who or what Netanyahu is and tell me about this impression. 
Of course. So Netanyahu is the former prime minister of Israel and current prime minister-elect of Israel. Israel has an election literally every six months. So who knows even if he does make it to be the new prime minister when he does take office, how long that will last? No one knows. But he is, um, you know, a staple of the Israeli political scene. Now, Netanyahu's name is Netanyahu. That is his name. And if you haven't watched the interview, I highly recommend watching this. Um... So Kanye decides that he starts talking about how Netanyahu wants to kill him. Now, I don't think that's really it. I don't think Netanyahu wakes up in Israel and he's like, yo, like, we got to gather the Mossad. Today's Zionist agenda, kill Kanye West. Like, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's going through Netanyahu's head. I think that up until maybe two months ago, Netanyahu had no idea who Kanye West was. Frank, I don't know if you know this, but you who doesn't have the word milk on it because it's apparently not milk. So instead, of, they have to say chocolate drink. Yeah. So he pulls out Yoohoo oh. chocolate drink and puts it on the desk and he goes, so Yoohoo, Yoohoo. And then he pulls out a net, like I'm talking a butterfly net. And he goes, so this net in Yoohoo. And it's like, what is happening right now? And then he starts using the net almost like a puppet and starts making what sounds like to me an Elmo impression talking about Netanyahu. And It's something very funny to watch because I watched and I was like, oh my God, what's actually happening right now? But it's also really sad to watch because when I watched in that moment there, it finally clicked. Like if it hadn't clicked before, it clicked there. Kanye West is not well. Because in that moment, what I saw was a man in a mental break. I saw a man making voices with props and a net and some yoo-hoo and talking about a prime minister that wants to kill him and he, he didn't seem well. I tried to make out the words that he was doing with his Elmo impression. He wasn't well. He wasn't well. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a person in the middle of a mental break. What, what what do you think on that? I mean, watching it, I just like had an out of body experience because I could not believe what I was watching. Yeah. Like take everything to account. What he was wearing, this like I don't know sock on his face, sock like zipped situation. up sock, and he's yuhu. It doesn't even sound like Netanyahu. Like yeah, just well, a he had a net in yuhu. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like one of my Instagram captions, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like a really bad attempt at a pun. <laughs> yeah, really bad I attempt. I love your Instagram captions, though. Thank Don't, you. It was <laughs> not that bad. Um, yeah, it was just, it was craziness. And I, I like, I don't even know what to say about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to transition us to another dimension of mm-hmm. this conversation, which Kanye seems to be making this a white Jew versus black and brown people discussion. Yeah. What yeah, do we make so- of that? First off, Kanye is saying that all of these white Jews aren't real Jews, right? So he's discounting white Judaism or white passing Judaism or basically he's discounting any kind of Judaism other than black people as the original Jews and then these white people stealing his Judaism. And that, again, cannot be further from the truth. But you, you touched on this when I, when I first asked the question. The crazy and scary thing is that his words translate into actions. And what Kanye West is talking about here is something called the Black Hebrew Israelites Movement, which is exactly that, which is that the original Israeli tribes or Jewish tribes, Judean tribes, whatever you want to call them, were exiled into Africa. They were the black people. They were the original Jews. And then these white people came, stole the Jewish identity, and they're the ones claiming to be the Jews today. That would be me. I'm the I'm the imposter Jew. Um, oh, yes. 
Yeah. Yes. And and since Kanye West has taken that up and Kyrie Irving has taken that up, uh, you've seen a rise in black Hebrew Israelites. And it, it, it's it's not really that big of a problem if it's just an ideology, right, where people, you know, you could believe you're Jewish and that I'm not actually Jewish. Sure. Believe what you want to believe. The issue is that black Hebrew Israelites stand outside of, for example, Barclay Center. There's a video that went viral and they'll say things like, yeah, we love Hitler and we love the Nazis because they understood that Jews are the seed of the devil and he was exterminating you because he knew what you were doing. He knew that you guys were stealing the Judaism from us. And, you know, Hitler wasn't killing us. And they're they're doing this new thing that I hadn't seen in the West before because what they're doing isn't Holocaust denial. What they're doing is Holocaust glorification. What they're saying is essentially... Hitler should have finished the job. And that's very scary. That's a very scary rhetoric coming from the black Hebrew Israelites here in New York. Mm -hmm. And we always know that words don't end with words. They're going to transcend to actions. And I'm very afraid. Wow. How long has this black Hebrew Israelite group or ideology been happening for? As long as I can remember. it's, Mm -hmm. It's been... Going back and forth, it's usually, again, it's, it's a small group of people. You see them outside of subway stops. But now this is becoming mainstream. Again, Kyrie Irving, the, the whole thing with the documentary was a documentary about how Jews aren't the real Jews and the real Jews are black and they've been enslaved. And, and when I think about all of this, you know, how, how is this coming to be? I think about American society, right? I think that the issue was that there, there is a lot of tension here in the U.S. There's a lot of problems when it comes to the lower classes of society that mm-hmm. have lower economic resources, most of them being people of color. And the government hasn't done much to help them. And that's why you saw Black Lives Matter take hold. And the issue with Black Lives Matter is that it promoted and promised a false relief. So post-Black Lives Matter... What people who supported Black Lives Matter, you have every single company saying Black Lives Matter. You have everyone wearing T-shirts that say Black Lives Matter. But nothing changed on the ground for black people. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that now that they're disillusioned, it's very easy to try to find another scapegoat, right? When BLM didn't achieve what BLM should have achieved, you need to find another scapegoat. So now instead of saying, well, the reason why, you know, we haven't done well is because of racism. It's the reason why we haven't done well is because of the Jews, because they Mm -hmm. stole our identity. And I think that this speaks to, to a larger question about American society, where if we're not helping people get ahead, if we're not creating an environment where people can get ahead, then we're creating an environment where scapegoatism takes root. And the, turn, that turns into movements that instead of social change lead to social unrest. Hearing you say that, like a light bulb went off in my head because... Anybody who's studied anti-Semitism, anybody who's looked at bouts of Mm anti-Semitism throughout the last 2,000 years knows that it happens when the situation sucks. Whether it be bad economy, there's some civil unrest, something has to be bad. Or a plague. People people love blaming Jews for plagues, right? Yep, 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 yep. It's it's just like textbook, like here's the formula you need for a rise on Mm anti-Semitism. It will happen. And it's it's just profound hearing you talk about it because we're quite literally seeing history repeat itself in real time. Um, And it's scary. I don't mean to glorify it. I'm just pointing out thing that's obvious that doesn't seem to be so obvious. And, And speaking of obvious that doesn't seem to be so obvious... You have to see who Kanye is speaking to. He's making this issue about white Jews versus black people while he's on the show with white supremacists. 
So when black people are aligning themselves with Hitler, it just goes to show that there's this deficit of information. There's, there's this gap of, of historical accuracy that needs to be filled. Because who are your allies? When did you think that people are going to align themselves with a white nationalist just so they can scapegoat the Jews? Yeah, it's it's really there's so many contradictions, contradictions in what he's saying and what mm-hmm. he's doing. It's it's hard to unpack it all. Yeah. Um, OK, I want to transition us to another topic, which is very well connected into his, you know, white Jew versus people of color sentiment um, and how that erases Sephardic and Mizrahi Jews, literally yeah. millions of Jews who are not white passing and would yeah. qualify into whatever equation he's making about black and brown people. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about Sephardic and Mizrahi Jews? Of course. So as we said multiple times on this podcast and this episode and in past episodes, Jews come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all shades of the spectrum when it comes to skin color. There are black Jews, there are brown Jews, there are Jews that are from India, there are Jews from the Middle East, there are Jews that are from Africa, there are Jews from around the world, and Jews that look a lot of ways that you might not think Jews look. Now, let's talk about Sephardic and Mizrahi Jews. First off, happy Mizrahi Heritage Month. We finally got a month. Everyone has a month, and we got one now, too. So Mizrahi Heritage has a month. What is Mizrahi Jewry? So um, when you typically think of Jews, you usually think of Ashkenazi Jews. Those are Jews that come from Europe. Those are Jews that unfortunately endured the horrors of the Holocaust, a lot of them. And that's that's when you think of like the bagel and lox Jew. Those are usually Ashkenazi Jews. Now there's Jews that were in other places of the world while all of that was going down, one of them being the Middle East. There are Jews that have been in the Middle East for forever, pretty much forever. Their families never left the Middle East. They were Middle Eastern Jews throughout. There were also Jews that were in the Middle East, and then they went to Spain, and then during the Inquisition, they went back to the Middle East. That's me. So that's the difference between Mizrahi and Sephardic Jews. Mizrahi Jews are Jews from the Middle East that have been in the Middle East throughout, and Sephardic Jews are Jews from the Middle East that went to Spain for, you know, a couple hundred years, couple of generations, give or take, and then they went back to the Middle East. Um, a lot of people love being like, Adela is a Mizrahi Jew. I am not a Mizrahi Jew. I'm not. I'm a Sephardic Jew, and I know this. Thank you, everyone who, you know, told me I'm a Mizrahi Jew. I'm, I'm not. I'm a Sephardic Jew. Um, I am a Middle Eastern Jew, but I am not a Mizrahi Jew. My family didn't remain there. We do have this uh, Spanish connection, which is how we got our Spanish citizenships. My grandparents got it back in January. So that's your little crash course. If you want to know more about Sephardic and Mizrahi Jewry, we have an episode on that too. Look at us (laughs) plugging all of our episodes. We talk about this as well in episode three. And I think that we have some other iterations and other episodes. You're just going to have to listen to them all because I can't remember specifically which other episode we talked Mm -hmm. about. Um, But going back to what Kanye West was saying, there's diversity of Jews. If what, what better month than Mizrahi Heritage Month to point out that there's different kinds of Jews and that boiling it down to, you know, these white Jews uh, or these white fake Jews or these Zionists referring to European colonialists and all that, that's just not historic when it comes to what Judaism is. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I know you know a lot about Mizrahi and Sephardic Jewish her- heritage because you went to the American Sephardi Federation's event this month. Yes, I did. Outside of that, even, I'm very fascinated by Sephardi and Mizrahi Jews. Um, there's a lot of similarities between um, those two communities and the Coptic community. And, and honestly, 
any minorities of the region have a connection to Mizrahi and Sephardi Jews. There's, if you look close enough, you'll find a connection or a tradition that both communities, all communities, uh, share at some point or another. Um, so yes, I went to this wonderful event hosted by America, the American Sephardi Federation, which is a wonderful organization here in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, wonderful events. They have great lectures and keynote speakers telling you the history of uh, the Arab exodus from, excuse me, the Jewish exodus from the Arab world. Uh, my highlight of the uh, event was this keynote spe- uh, speaker, and he was talking about the Arab nationalist movement. Um, and if you don't know, Arab nationalism it was a movement in the, I would say, like 40s to 70s, 80s. There's a lot of debate about when it started and when it died down. Um, but it was it was a lot of things. But one of the many things that it was was an anti-Zionism movement against the state of Israel as mm-hmm. the state of Israel was being founded. Um, and I have both love and hate for the Arab nationalist movement as an Arab, but also as a minority. We should, if you're interested in any of that, hit us up and let us know you'd like to do an episode on it because I would be very excited by that. Um, But one of the, to get to my point finally, one of the slogans or one of the sayings of the Arab nationalist movement was, first we'll get the Saturday people, then we'll get the Sunday people. Meaning, Mm. first we'll kill the Jews, Sabbath, then we'll get to the Christians, Sunday. Um, And Although that's really depressing, I think it was it's very telling of where the Arab mm-hmm. world was at that time. And it was the highlight of, of the event for me. I know your sister is also there. She was. So my little sister, who is 17, if she's listening right now, she actually spoke at this event. Um, she spoke about our family history and our family migrations. And um, as an older sister, of course, that makes me extremely proud. Um, not just, you know, to see my sister speak at a conference or, you know, hear that she's speaking at ASF but um, that she knows so much about our family history and she looked into our family history. And that's something that the Syrian Jewish community actually does really well. Um, we do the, the heritage projects in middle school where you have to actually research your family history and present it and write essays about it and interview someone in your family. And I think it's something really beautiful. And my sister did do a really good job. I got to watch the video. I couldn't be there in person. And it also made me realize if you take any immigrant child or any child of immigrants and put them up on that stage, they can do that because we all have a story to tell, right? Mm-hmm. We all have so many migrations that led us to where we are and so many things that had to be endured. Um, but, you know, having having not only my family history highlighted, but having my youngest sister being able to go up and do that, that was that was really special. Um, that is really and, special. And that's yeah. the American-ish story. That's the American-ish story. We love that. We love that. From, from immigrant to the podium. The Americanish story. Um, <laughs> shout out to Ariel. You did a wonderful shout out job. Shout to Ariel. You killed it. We're really proud of you. Um, but that also takes me to, um, you know, we might not be the typical Jews that you think of when you think Jew, but, you know, every religion has its diverse minorities within it. So um, a lot of you guys, if you listen to the show, you know that Ma- Mariam is a Coptic Christian. She is not the typical Christian that you might hear of. Um, and cops have their own traditions. And right now, I know that we are in the Coptic Advent and Coptic Christmas season. So tell our listeners a little bit about Coptic Christmas. Look at you go talking about the Coptic Advent calendar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, we have officially entered the holiday season in the Coptic Christmas, in the Coptic Orthodox calendar. Um, so if you 
I'm about to plug another episode. Wow, we're just plugging plug another away. episode. <laughs> if you check it. out the episode on Coptic Christmas uh, earlier on, I think it might have been one of the first uh, two episodes. Um, we talk all about Coptic Christmas and Coptic Christianity. It's called A Different Kind of Christian. Um, and in it, we talk about how fasting is an integral part of the Coptic tradition. Um, somebody crunched the numbers and they found that if you do all the fasts that you're actually supposed to do, if you're a good Copt in the Coptic calendar, you end up fasting something like three quarters of the year, or couple, oh like 200 God. something days. Um, so that's if you're a good Copt. I, on the other hand, <laughs> um, have not been that diligent in the past. I am, I am working on it for sure. So the day after Thanksgiving was the first day that our Coptic Christmas fast started. Uh, this fast is actually quite lenient. So uh, no animal products except for fish and honey, which you can have in this fast. Um, so anything that comes from an animal or anything that has something that comes from an animal, so no milk, no meats, no dairy, no butter, um, just think of anything comes from an animal that isn't a fish or honey, you can't have in this one. I love so how fish aren't animals. Like, where, where's fish can be from? We are animals too. <laughs> well, we the other, animals. so yeah. the other fasts, I, Easter and a couple of the other ones, you can't even have fish or honey because those are, are both considered animal products in those fasts because they're tier one. We can do a whole episode on this and we can have a Coptic Guys, priest explain imagine it. having so many fasts that there's a tier system. Uh, oh my God. Yes, it's, <laughs> I'm not too happy about it. There's there's some things about my tradition that I'm very proud of and this is a thing I'm proud of in private, not very outwardly. But right, wait, before you move on, we did do <laughs> a whole episode about fasting and how sure it connects did. you to religion. Fourth episode <laughs> plug in this show. Go check out our episode on fasting. Anyway, we will continue. Yes, we sure will. Um, yeah, it's been good so far. I didn't start right away. I kind of cheated a little bit. I let a few days pass because I was traveling. And I started my fast a couple of days ago. It's been good so far. It gets really hard as you near the end. But tomorrow, well, today, um, is 30 days out. So wish me luck. Send out. me good wishes. Um, and if you see me, throw a piece of bread at me or something so I don't <laughs> pass out. A piece, a piece of bread, non-dairy bread. No non -dairy, dairy, no bread, eggs yep. in that bread. No brioche. No, 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 no egg other... bagels. <laughs> None of the good breads. Give me the None crappy of the good breads. Yeah, but it's great. I, as much as I complain about this fast, it really is a time of reflection. And, um, you know, you don't think about God when you're grocery shopping or you don't think about mm. God at all points of your day. But during these fasts, it's hard not to, especially for somebody like me who's always snacking. It's a constant <laughs> reminder of your faith. It's a constant reminder that there there is a higher being that you are called to um mm. so it's it's a little difficult and challenging but that's that's the point of these things is to challenge us spiritually and mentally and physically and and you know put us through just a sliver of hardship that others go through yeah yeah i you know what that's that's beautiful and i think that like the common thing that i've seen here we we have you know a couple of different points that we've hit here but you know, religion can be a beautiful thing. Religion can be a beautiful thing if you use it for something beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so, you yeah. know, cheers, cheers to that. May people use a religion for things that are beautiful instead of spewing hatred about others. And um, we do have 30 more days of, you know, the Cop Coptic Advent calendar and Coptic Christmas coming up. So I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about it as um, our episodes 
continue. And maybe we'll be hearing more about Kanye because, like we said, he's unpredictable. He's a loose canyon. And hopefully for Christmas, he'll give us some peace and quiet. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. Amen. See you next week. Bye-bye.